Welcome back to Grit. This week we are joined by Creative Director Simon Dean. We talk about the shepherding role of the Creative Director and how it is 50% creative, 50% organisational, and the skills employed taking a brief to completion of a creative idea, along with the art of short-form content. Great, so we're jumping over to London now to talk to Creative Director Simon Dean. Hi Simon, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. How's things going? It's minus eleven over here in Norway, but it's it's all good. It's all good. So uh, it's great to great to see you again. Well, it's raining in London. When, whenever whenever I'm talking to somebody, I think like the first the first sort of place to ask is is the role because every everybody see sees these titles in film and television and stuff, and I think so many people don't really understand what the different roles are because we we always know camera and sound and they're the obvious things. So. In a sort of nutshell, what what is a creative director? What do you do? I direct creative. No, I think the reality is what I do is I'm fortunate enough to always work with really creative designers, producers, directors, sound engineers, uh, the the whole gambit of of creativity, frankly. Uh, My job is to direct it all, to put it all together. I'm the guy that goes to the meeting to get the brief. I talk to the people, I, I talk to the marketeers. I find out what they want. I understand their market. And then we go away. We brainstorm the ideas with the team or whoever I'm working with, go through the ideas. And then working with them, we, I orchestrate that to get made. Just like a film director, I direct them all to make it happen. Uh, sometimes I'll put my own sp- – I'll help with the spin of it. And sometimes if you've got incredibly talented people, which – for most of my career, I've been very lucky to have really talented people right. who've been able to just go with the with the brief and with that little twist that I may add to it. And then we'll present those ideas back. Normally, three ideas at a time. We then get the ideas signed off. And then working with the production team, we will put the thing together and make it happen. And I think that's, in a nutshell, in a very simple way, that's what we kind of do. So you, you are like the herder of cats on a, on yes. a, create, on a creative brief. Yes. And, and, yes. and what... What what kind of briefs would would you deal with then? So I mean, I predominantly over my my years, I've worked within the marketing department. So mm-hmm. a lot of the work that I've done is is working with products, with TV shows. So what my job is is to sell those TV shows to to the to, to everybody out there. So I would come up with a campaign idea for let's say that we're selling uh, the new Teen Titans Go episode. I would work out these the, the sort of what we need to do. Do we need a 30-second commercial, which would be shown on a TV channel? Or realistically, a lot more these days, what, what's the Instagram post going to be? What, what are we going to do on YouTube? Are we going to do a, a nice 10-minute compilation of the best episodes or the best moments from the episode? Looking at the theme of the new episodes, it's say, for instance, it's got a cameo with Superman. So we go back to all the old episodes and go, right, which episodes have got Superman in it? Right. We'll do a Teen Titans compilation with all of Superman in it or that, that kind of thing. And right. also also the other thing we have to do these days, obviously, is a lot of the work goes on, to, on, to, on demand. And the most important thing these days can be that little stub that you see, the little right. thumbnail needs to stand out. Back in the day, years ago, it would be all about the TV commercial. It was on uh, just, before, just before EastEnders or something like that. But now, more importantly, anything is on the, in the on-demand world we live in, on YouTube. It's all about what that thumbnail looks like. Cool. So you, you as a creative director, have to have a re- really good appreciation of like platforms, audience, and the way people 
consume content i guess yes i mean that's that's it, there's a bit of science to being a creative director there's yeah it's learning about your audience understanding what your audience are doing it, the, the, the gone of the days of well let's just put it out there and it's everybody's going to come mm. and watch it that is not true any longer there's so many choices and i predominantly in the last uh, 15 years i've been working on kids programming and kids my god they have changed considerably over those years from the days where cable and satellite TV was the, the norm and, and kids just used to sit there out for hours after school just lapping it up to today where they have so much more choice of, you know, their televisions are smart, they have phones, they have, they have tablets, they have computers, they have everything. And so now everything is on demand. A child will not sit for an advert. They want to get to the program as soon as possible. And so my, my job is to disrupt them. It's to stop them and say, yeah, this is great, but you need to be watching this because that's even better. That's kind of my job. So I'm a, I'm a creative salesman in some ways. Okay, so the, the, there's the, the science of the kind of understanding audience analytics and, and so forth, but is there also the, the psychological bit? Do you have to also understand the psychology of your audience? Yeah, there's a lot of that as well. I mean, we do lots of, we do lots of focus groups. You know, you, you have to look at, you know how kids are reacting to to content kids these days even in lockdown they are so busy they very much different to, to when i was a child and i'm sure most most of the audiences were a child you, you don't just come home from school at four o'clock and just sit around you've got homework to do you've got the well when we go back out of lockdown we've got you know the after school clubs the you know all of the football the fact that actually most children come home even later than that so there isn't that massive time for them to watch TV. So when they are watching TV, you need they they only want to watch what they really really want to watch. So you've got to make sure that you're cutting through the the, the absolute deluge of noise to get your message across about what your program is about. And the days of making a long one minute promo that explains what the show is about is, is gone. It's it is find me the funniest clip, tell me what time it's on or where I can access it. I mean, uh, we've been doing lots of in-app in uh, commercials where you literally tap the button and you go directly to the episode. So, yeah, it's technology has changed a lot. It's fascinating stuff. And, and it's actually, it keeps you on the toes. Uh, it, things are always developing. You know, two years ago, I didn't know what TikTok was. Uh, now we do, and we know how to make them. And, you know, I use a lot of the basics that I learned a long time ago. And it's all about storytelling. If you can tell a story in 10 seconds or five seconds, or even with just one picture, you're golden. You can do a lot. Yeah, and I, th I think that that's particularly when you're, you're talking to people starting out. Um, and, and when I talk to students, for instance, the minute I start bringing up, like, we need to understand social media, they'll always go, yeah, yeah, I get it. I understand it. And I'm like, no, I want you to understand it as a producer, not a consumer. And is, uh, what's the difference, I suppose, from your perspective of, like, everybody consumes it, but what what mindset do you have to be in to produce for it? Well, I think that's a, that, that, that's something that I you, you have to do quite a lot. I have to act like a, I have to act like a six year old boy quite a lot, and <laughs> believe it or not, it's, it is quite difficult because actually, and that doesn't take from studying and talking to kids and 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 doing that research because mm. kids these days are different to you, and I, I, a lot of yeah. producers and creatives I talk to go, yeah, but when I was a kid, I would have loved that. Well it's not the same and it's, it's no. different and and yeah and, you, and people say oh yeah i understand social media no you understand your part of social media and and all right that's why if you look at my instagram it is full of children's and parent stuff 
that most most people would not, would not be interested in. But just you have to be on the cusp, understanding what's going on. The other thing is also with with kids content. The beautiful thing is you can take some of those adult creativity and then transport that to kids. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because you can use that a lot. And I throughout my career of always always on one eye is always on what the kid wants but also the other eye is to introduce them to new things and i think i don't know about you but i I think most people have very fond memories of when they were children and when they watched television and there's lots of there's lots of those uh semi uncles that that made these shows when we were kids that we learned loads of things that our parents probably didn't even understand and i think that is also uh, that is the beauty of some of, of kids tv that you can educate these kids as well as just give them what they want but well no i mean it, it's like uh, i i work with peter lord here and he always has morph in his pocket and nobody here understands the importance of morph <laughs> it seems because that that and as you say it's like the nostalgia it's really important this stuff because you do hold on to it for the rest of your life and it's not just disposable blow and 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 you know i could look at my kids what they watch on tiktok and so forth and think what is that noise but that's exactly what our parents thought about the things we watched, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, so also as a as a creative director, you, I suppose you're acting as this conduit between full on marketing people and production production people. And what's that like? Because I've always struggled. I've always struggled sometimes with marketing people when doing productions, and I, I'm just interested in 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 the bridge there and how any advice to people on how to bridge that as well. So, so marketeers are they are actually very lovely people, mm. but they see it very much from an audience perspective, and they want it now and they want it their way. Yeah. So, what you have to do as a creative is you serve up what they want and you make it really quickly and say, look, this is what you wanted. Normally, nine times out of 10, that's what they thought they wanted, but it's not really what they wanted. So I didn't, the skills that I use and I, I, with my team have used is we always come up with more than one idea. So then we go, look, here's what you wanted. Here's another idea that's slightly different that, that plays with what your idea. And here's a completely wacky, completely crazy idea that you didn't even ask for. And I tell you now, you'd be surprised how many times they go for that wacky, completely different idea. But marketeers have, are very clever at going, right, what's the single reason why people should watch that program? And then yeah. program people, they've been entrenched in shows for years, some of them, you know, for, for, for 20 years or whatever. And so they think the show is all about this and it's all about that. And, and then you have it. So if you're meeting with those guys, you're going, well, you know, it's all about it. And in the end, you have to go, uh, no, it's actually, it's about a boy on a spaceship, uh, not, yeah. not about his feelings of that. And so we have to sort of, we, we play the middlemen into making sure that we tell the story that the, the program maker has made and also hit that marketing and, to be fair, the audience, so they understand what they're getting themselves into. And I think that's really important. And sometimes there's a bit of teasing that needs to get to go on with with programs you don't give away everything and as you know from making trailers yeah. and making trades with, with movie trailers i mean if you watch an old alfred hitchcock trailer it literally gives away the whole film where <laughs> these days we, we like to be teased more and actually i mean there's some people i'm one of these sort of people who actually hate watching trailers sometimes but it's a really good film or a film that i'm really looking forward to i won't watch the trailer because i don't want to yeah. know 
I don't yeah, want to know. Yeah. I, want, I want to make my mind up myself, you know? So, yeah. To, to, me, to me, a great trailer just gives you a feeling, and you're like, I want to tap into mm. that feeling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I, I think you, you, you kind of sort of touched on an important point there. I think the, the, the trick with all these things is you're going to hear the wants of a lot of people, and you have to somehow work out what their needs are. And quite often that's what correct. they want is not what they need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that's that's yeah, that that here lies the 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 the, the problem and, and, and the solution comes from, from that. So I, I to be honest, I, I yeah, it, it, that's that's the hard bit, but we have fun on the way. And for me, a good project is one where I've made the program makers understand who we're trying to really talk to. And then the, the the marketeers are happy with the, the with the solution that we've come up with. And sometimes, you know, necessity. Uh, I I always amaze myself with sometimes with the stuff that we make. I think, wow, we we from the brief to this, it's it's an amazing journey. And and that's the fun bit. I have to start. I mean, I started my career wanting to become a uh, serious uh, documentary filmmaker. Wanted to make programs about the struggle of uh, working class people. And then I got into what I would call marketing. It's everything I didn't want to do. But I'm going to be honest, I really do enjoy telling stories nicely and quickly and succinctly to an audience, getting people excited about what I love, which is programs, is about storytelling. It's that's for me is what is really important. It's by going, I I love to be the person, the first person to watch something and then go, hey, guys, you should watch this. It's brilliant. Well, and and the audience won't know this, but I know this, that you, you you are a budding DJ as well. And I think DJs make brilliant promo directors because they, <laughs> they, I think you have to understand audience and you have to, you're actually kind of managing all of those things as well. So I think there's, there's a, there's a synergy there. John, I think actually that's the first time anybody's actually understood what a DJ really is. Yeah. <laughs> what, what a great director really is. What yeah. I do is when, when you're DJing, you're standing in a room and there are 50, 50 people or even more than that. So, uh, looking at you and going all right then entertain me and yeah. in a way that's what it's that's what it's like to make to make promos i mean i think one of my scariest things i ever did was uh i was working on monsters inc for disney channel when it when it first came out and we hadn't finished the campaign and i walked past the building in hammersmith and all i saw was this big poster saying coming soon to disney channel and i was like oh no i haven't even done that yet and, and you know it's, <laughs> yeah yeah that kind of feeling of right how can i do this and yeah it's, it's it's really quite fun i mean yeah djing is my other love and and it kind of really got me into the television business uh early on learned how to take music mash it up right. change it and that's another reason why i love being a creative director and the promo producer because you take other people's work and you remake it and you sample it and you mash it up that's what i love doing i love mashing up other people's work and making and telling another story so you know, I take a movie and I cut it down into 30 seconds and tell you this is the reason why you should watch it. For me, that's a really quite an exciting uh, thing to do. And uh, I love music. So music and editing, stuff like that, really sort of that really. Uh, make no, I, th- I think I think there's so much synergy there and, and what gets those kind of creative juices flowing. And I think I think like w- what you say is. I suppose I'm going to I'm going to probably stretch the analogy out too much now and, and overshoot. But it's that, that as you say, it's that when you're sampling and and and, and mixing bits, you're taking the, the the real sort of high points of stuff and then reconstructing a new song or a new narrative. And yeah. that I think people 
don't always understand the art of that, that that creating a new narrative and a remix out of something is an art in itself, not just original creation. Yes, yes. And, and, and yeah, that was that was what excited me about uh, being a promo producer. I mean, I started as an editor and I remember uh, actually uh, years ago and I went into another edit suite and I saw what was called a promo producer and he was sitting on his own. He didn't have any producers sitting next next to him and he was taking people's work and changing it. And I was like, I want to do that. I want to do that. It was, it was an absolute light bulb moment. It was just like, wow, that I want to just do that. That's great. I had, I wasn't taught how to make promos. I never, unfortunately, subsequently the, this guy left. And then I just asked the boss at the time and said, can I do his job? It was, I think it was the day before Christmas Eve. And he said, yes, and don't screw it up. And so I spent the whole Christmas learning what a promo producer was. And to be honest with you, like everybody else, I didn't understand what a trailer was. I had no idea. I'd seen them, but they just passed me by. And then I actually sat down and watched loads of telly and just went, oh, right, okay. So you're supposed to tell them, put the time at the end. And I kind of learned my art form through, through that way. And, and yes, okay, I think the DJing helped me understand the mashup feel of it, but it was a, a real eye-opener. And, yeah, I never looked back from there onwards. That, that's how I started the career was I realized that I actually really enjoyed taking other people's work and, and mashing it up but also i really enjoyed directing short short films and short shoots and you know i do a 30 second commercial and i've been lucky to do some amazing stuff with some great people you know um so just getting out there and doing doing things and coming up with ideas and then shooting them working with fantastic voiceover artists that's all, that's an amazing thing as well your your work you make these things, you put your own voice over the top of it just to make out the timing. And then you go into an audio suite and you work with these amazing voice, voiceover uh, artists uh, like Adam Longworth or, or Lewis McLeod. Uh, and their voices are so toned to the voice and, and yeah. your work just absolutely comes alive. And the great thing about making promos or making short form, which is the kind of the name it is, yeah. it is written now. And what, to be honest, the, the company that I'm now working with, it, that's what we're more about. It's more this sort of the short form part in its in itself is its its own thing is that the great thing is you start a project maybe a month you know six weeks ago and by that in six weeks time you've got a finished piece where when you're making long form tv shows it could be years or months before you could can even see a a rough cut that can work where with my job it's pretty you know you get the brief you you hit the hit the the ground running you, you come up with the idea within a couple of days you you get that signed off you start filming and things happen really quickly. And as I've got a very short attention span, it's, it's brilliant. For me. <laughs> Great. Well, it, it, it's funny because it's like, I always sort of say like, I've worked across like multiple genres and, and I think like feature films are probably the dullest thing to make. Like they, they may, they may be like very rewarding to watch, but they are really quite boring to make because they take forever. <laughs> and it's like a, such a long cycle and you're so sick of it by the end of it. By the time you're at the premiere, it's like, I hate it. And then I, I think like live TV, which often feels like disposable or multi-camera stuff, but it's really fun to do. And then I think short form actually feels the most creative because mm. you are you are kind of having, having to think quickly and play. The, I'm, so I'm really interested in your process, I suppose, like – take a brief to completion it's like how how, how do you approach it I, I suppose when when i get a brief i normally the brief is already written or is half written by a marketing department mm. or a programming department they normally work hand in hand to come up with what they need 
So my first thing is I look at the brief and go, oh, and then I ask lots and lots of questions. And I, I'm sorry, I say, right, I'm going to ask you a lot of stupid questions because you have to, because people just expect you to understand. And sometimes people find it hard to communicate on paper. And I've worked a lot, of, a, a lot in Europe where, you know, English is a second language. Mm. So, you know, we have to, we have to work out to communicate. And then I, I try to get out of them what, what they're feeling, feeling for. You're trying to work out how much sort of money they want to spend as well, because sometimes that can have, you know, yeah. we can work to any budget, um, you know, but, you know, if you've only got 10,000 or if you've got, uh, or, or you've got 100,000, it's a very different story. So you, you look at things very differently. And that doesn't mean I'm going to, you know, spend loads of money just because I can. It's just that the quality, the difference of how you do something, you know, it, it changes. It, it's, it, so that's where I start from. I'll normally, if it's a television show, I desperately want to watch it or I want to read the script if the if the show's not ready. And I normally watch it once and then I'll watch it twice. And the second time is when I start writing notes. I don't write notes on the first time. I just enjoy it as a viewer the first time. Mm. Or, you know, the product, I will play with the product or I'll use the product or I'll have it for a day. I think that's really important to get the feel for the product because if you don't, it's going to make it really difficult. You can't just come up with an idea. I, I don't. I, you can't just come up with an idea in the meeting. You know, you don't mean the marketeers and go, yeah, well, we could do this. I think you really need to go away and think about it and live it and feel it. And then, as I said before, it's all about, in my opinion, coming up with those three ideas. And I'll always come up with that quick idea. That so when you're brainstorming, you come up with that first idea. And I've seen a lot of people. And this is where a lot of people go wrong. Is they go, oh, I've, I've done it. Right, I've got it. One idea. And then they go all in on that one idea and then they get, they got knocked back and then you're screwed because you've got nothing else. So yeah. I always, always go, right. It's the first idea. Great. We It's normally by the, by the, the third idea, you've got something that's really good. Then you revisit the first idea. What I like to do is do a little sentence to explain what the idea, I like to do a PowerPoint or a keynote presentation. I like it written down. I find that the, uh, marketers find that easier mm. and programs mm. find it easier to be honest sometimes if i really want to get something for instance i once uh, i did a shoot for disney and i actually built it in lego so i could show them the set and it, right. was, it was quite an expensive nice. shoot so they actually and i said here's the camera the camera's going to move along here basically we had that steven spielberg set that came out years ago and i just kept the, the cameraman and the and some of the, the, the oh the, nice the set. yeah yeah, yeah. We so, so we just built it and said look there and it was and I managed to get managed to get the money for it by just sh showing it to them. So I also think that if you are going out there, think about how you can do it. If you if you've got the time and the the, the technology is getting better, previs if you can, because yeah. if you previs the idea, you can show them. Here's the way the camera is going to do, and this is how it moves and stuff like that. It works a lot better. Writing a script is great, and I always do write a test script mm. as much as possible. But realistically, if you can do a previs. Or you can cut together a rough cut if you've got the episode or if it's a shoot for a, for a new show or something different, I would recommend, you know, try and do some kind of previs. Now, that previs, everybody now understands what, a, to a point, knows what a rough cut is. Everybody knows if you're coming in to pitch an idea that it's not going to be the best thing you've ever seen. But I, I, as somebody who's also been pitched back to, I love it when somebody comes along with some boards 
or they come along with uh, with a previs or, or or just something to sort of explain how they're going, or even a mood board saying, oh, "I love these colours of the co- yeah. we're going to use only red, green, and blue, or uh, purple and yellow." You know, and, and and that kind of thing really helps the the, the person that's going to sign the brief, sign off the brief, is going to give you the money, understands what you're about. So I, I think presentation is key. I think it's really important. And then you get the ideas sold. When you've got this idea sold, invite the client to the shoot is a really, it's a very weird thing. Some people say don't do it. Some people, um, I've been to shoots where I've been the client and they, they shove me in the corner somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I think if you can say, yeah, come down at about, about two o'clock or come, come down at about 11, give yourself a chance to get yourself set up, get yourself ready. Let them feel part of the process. Making people that are signing, who are paying for your for your your shoot or they're paying for your thing, make them feel part of the process. It really helps because then you're taking them on a journey. So wherever you can, get them involved. Be prepared to show stuff that you know is not 100% right, but is in a position where you can say, look, here it is, or this is where we're going. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? You take these people on a journey. And hmm. the trouble is, Back in the day, we were lucky because edit suites were somewhere in Soho. Yeah. Uh, the marketeers or the advertising guys, they couldn't come down and see it. Or if they did, they sat behind you all day yeah. um, and they got a bit bored. and They went shopping. And while they went shopping, you've got it all done. But these days, the equipment's on a laptop or an iPad or on your phone. You can't do that. So you, you, you've got to take them on the journey. And I, I think one of the golden rules I've learned, definitely working with big clients, is is get take them on the journey make sure they understand the idea so when you present the final thing you don't have that moment of oh we didn't think it looked like that that's not what you want so that's why i take the journey it's that final version that one the only problem is you don't have that moment where the balloons go up everywhere and goes well we've finished it's oh yeah great it's exactly what we thought because you've been showing us all the way through and then it's then it's ready to go i, I think you're right it, it, it's it's about managing expectations as well, and and you, yes. you 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 corral it and and involve people, and and then they know what they're buying, and they don't feel ostracized. Because I think if you ostracize, they, they're your customer. If your customer feels ostracized, yeah. if yeah. you're in a shop and you made the customer stand outside all the time, <laughs> then they'd get pissed off. So you were going to say one more thing. No, man, it's one more thing. Make sh- the one big thing that people fail at is the final delivery. Right. These days you're not making just one 30-second commercial. You're making the 10-second version, the in-app version, the YouTube intro version. Make sure that you deliver everything on spec. Make sure that you've got all the paperwork. Make sure you've done your music cue sheet. Make sure they've got everything. Because you know what? I've seen people fail because they didn't do everything. And you think, oh, they're great creatives, but hang on, they didn't do the paperwork. And I know that's the boring bit. And yes, we all just want to be creatives. But the reality is you've got to be, I say, I've said this all along in every interview I've ever done with any sort of young people that have come into the team and stuff like that, or new producers and stuff. I'm looking for somebody that is 50% creative, 50% organized, because you need to be organized. You you can't, these days, you just can't live on not knowing what you're doing. No, I, I was I was actually teaching a session fairly recently on deliverables. And I, I, I usually start with like showing them the 50 page document from Netflix because Netflix, I think Netflix deliverables is probably the most complicated at the moment. And then just go, 
look, look at all the stuff, <laughs> the different versions. And I said, even if you're delivering a, a, a 30 second ad, all the different layers, all the different things. And they're like, I can see them looking at me like, well, why do I have to know this? And it's like, and it's like, you and I know you you deliver the finished version and then they come back to you saying has that been cleared can i use that there it, it's it's a never ending ache and i've also been sued enough times to know that <laughs> 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 like you know when we worked at rapture i think somebody put the beatles album on a live on a live broadcast once and uh, we got we got stung royally and so i i've i became obsessed with copyright and stuff and thought I want people going out there to understand it and the deliverables because it makes you really valuable if you understand that. Yes. And you know, we, you know, everyone talks about you need to be multi-skilled. I think some people take that multi-skilled means, well, I can operate a camera, I can edit and I can, and I can direct. No, you need to do that and know how to do music cue sheets, understand how to present your ideas, uh, talk, talk, talk to the client, all of those things, because yes, today's uh, media savvy, uh, producer director can do is multi-skilled and can do loads of things and, and i think that's really important that if you're calling yourself a producer that you need, need to know and a director and you need to know how to do the paperwork as well that's just that's just the way it is and i think i mean you, you you've obviously been an employer as well so do you find that like when new like interns are coming and new people are coming would somebody who knows more of this stuff stand out to you? Or, or is it difficult when somebody comes in and goes, well, I don't really know. Because for me, when I, when I started out, knowing more about this stuff made me, I got to do a lot more quite quickly because I went, oh, yeah, I know how to do a program as completed. I know how to do a cue sheet. And they're like, oh, do you? Oh, great. You can do this pile of stuff over here for me. And it it meant being employed. So what was your kind of, as, as a somebody who might have had interns and new new recruits it's, it's definitely it is a definitely a 50 50 thing anybody mm. comes in and uh acts like they're they're gonna they're gonna make a movie the minute they they come in especially at disney everyone just thought they were going to come and join us and, and make animated movies and yeah. that's just, just not true uh you know and it, I, it it's it's not that you won't get a chance to to, to work with designers and yeah. make stuff of course but you've got to learn the basics first and we made it very clear that you, you have to do the basics first before you make it I'd say, look, to anybody advised, if you're going for interviews for internships in, in big mm -hmm. organizations or even small production companies, go along with a big smile on your face and don't pretend you know everything. Because if you go along with a big smile on your face and you talk to everybody and you make friends with everybody and don't be frightened to talk to the managing director, don't, don't, and, and, and make friends with everybody, you're going to do much better. The people that I know that were interns and, and one of, one of, my very first interns is is now uh, is a creative director in the U.S. has done incredibly well. He started as he was a runner in the library actually. He started right. there, and, and and all he did he made friends with the right people. He was friendly. In those days, he didn't have edit suite, so he he had edit suite, so he had to go into, and he would sit in there when he had time off, and he'd go, "How do you work this? How do you do this?" And he asked lots of questions, and he just he had that determination and pushing. And he, I mean, I mean. I'm incredibly proud of him now because I mean he's flying, but that you know yeah. that's what it's that's what it's all about. It's about your dedication, friendliness, getting on with people. That's really important. Do not come into a company with an attitude that you think you're better than everybody else because you just won't survive. No, no, it doesn't work. It's 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 it's, it's a people business, and I, I, yes. people forget that. And 
it doesn't matter how good a camera op you were at uni or an, how good a montage editor or whatever you were if you can't actually communicate with other people and work with other people it's not really going to fly is it no no i know you've got you know it's it people will be like nice to you but they just if you befriend and get on with people you'll get more out of it yeah and also one thing i'd say when i was at university what as i said at the beginning i had a very different attitude of what i wanted to do and I think actually when you do get yourself a job in the media, your first job and stuff like that, any opportunities, anything, try them out. Because I think most people I've worked with never thought they were going to do the thing that they're doing. And so I think it's really important. You know, if you want to go into production, try a bit of directing. Or, or if you're a director, try, try and, you know, uh, work out how to do the production. It's really important to be multi-skilled. And you will fall into what what you like and what you you, you don't like. It, it, it'll work. And the great thing about our industry is that there is so many different types of jobs, and you need so many different types of personalities. You know, you don't all need to be alpha males. Mm. <laughs> you, you don't, you know, you don't all have to be stuff like that. I mean, it, it's important that we think. I mean, one thing I'd, I'd like to say though is that we do need to in this industry work on diversity, and it's something that. I think after the last year or so, I really have realized that we're, we're not that good at that. And so, I mean, with my new company, if we get to the point where I can employ young people, I, I want to see more diversity. I think far too long this industry has been have, has had far too many white middle class people. Talking of that as an employee, so you you now have your own company. So tell tell us a bit about, about that. So yes, uh, so uh, basically, I uh, in January when it's a nice quiet time, I've been working with a company called Light Creative mm. to start uh, a brand new company, uh, which we've called Spark and Glory. Nice. Uh, we've just we've literally just launched. Um, it's uh, a, we like to call it three sixty short form branding. So it's all it's it's basically it's it's more than just television. It's much more about how can I make something visual to sell either your product or tell your story or your what you're all about. And that's really what Spark and Glory is about. We we, we will come up with the Spark and idea. We've uh, we've got loads of talented designers that work in our team. Mm. Uh, we are we, we, we what we want to do is 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 produce exciting content that gets people excited about your story, your content, your your product. And that's from everything from, obviously, TV programs uh, to for channels and, and, and things like that. But also, it's also apps, digital digital tech, stuff, stuff like that. Plus, you know, there's a lot more companies now that use Instagram and they use Facebook yeah. to sell their products. We've learned over this lockdown period that the world is – the, the you have to advertise your co- your your content in different ways, and you know, as many a time I'm sure you do as well. I go onto Instagram and I see something. Oh, that looks very nice. And I think there's more businesses out there, and especially when we start, you know, start coming out into the real world again, that will need people like me to help them to produce, uh, you know, content uh, that can sell their products or their ideas, their restaurants, their 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 food, their their drinks and those those kind of things. I also were very much interested in uh, in virtual reality stuff as well, uh, exhibitions and I've done a lot of exhibitions in my last role. But um, I also think that, that we're going to find these high streets all over the world where there's going to be hardly any shops in there. Mm. We're going to have people who want to go out 
we're going to want to go out again. But where are we going to go? Because all you're going to do is see a, a couple of cafes and that's it. So I think we need to have some kind of way of, uh, of somewhere where you can go and you can experience things. And I, I want to get much more into that experiential world of, you know, you can go down to your local, uh, you know, the, the local high street and you can go into this, uh, you know, using the, the new real time of technology that maybe you can go onto an alien planet and you can walk around it and things like that. It's not so much about the goggles. It's about the experience. And we're going to have these huge buildings that are going to have nothing in them. Yeah. So why, I, you know, I'd love to meet some companies that are entrepreneurial enough to see the, the, the fact that I want to go to, I want to go to the rainforest this weekend. Well, I'll go down to my high street where I can have, I can kind of have a latte and then I can go and walk through the Amazon or we can use this much more as a, a classroom area for so kids can learn about the world. Cause I do think it's going to take a bit of time before air travel is going to be back to its normal self. And I think people are going to want to stick at home a little bit more. So why don't we use these spaces that we're going to have all the way around the world yeah. where the shops used to be and use them as experiences, places where we can, we can experience things. And the technology is coming along so quickly that these, these sort of experiential moments can really happen now. And, I, and I'd like to get a lot into that. This, be great. this is music to my ears because I, I, I had a, a session recently where we had to sort of pitch ideas for courses and I, I pitched experiential design. And, and it was very much the people are going to come out of lockdown craving experiences and then and and you know like i think the rise of aspects of instagram were about photographing real world experiences but i think now people have opened their eyes to these more immersive things and 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 as you say the the beauty of design to make function better and and, and so forth and it's some uh, maybe it's because we've both worked at disney and i think disney were once some of the pioneers of like imagine like if you ever i don't know whether you ever hung around with the imagineers at disney but they blew my mind yeah. in how they thought about stuff you know yeah, yeah. So, yeah absolutely. That's, absolutely that's good and and so you're 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 kind of working with with all kinds of brands and and you'll make short form content experiential design the, the whole gamut anything that has a sort of creative bent in me anything that has a creative needs a creative steer to it that that uh, needs to be promoted we are very much in, we are very much interested in that we you know from from i mean we you know we we're even down to the working with you know corporate clients that maybe they need a they need a good presentation because actually now you're doing lots of these zoom yeah, calls yeah. your presentations need to look better I, I, you know, and my desire is to make presentations for people where they can show it to their clients, but they can also show it to their family and be proud of it instead of it just being on a white and black ground, you know, the, using the templates that are available on uh, PowerPoint yeah. and making them a bit more exciting and, and videos. And obviously the democracy of, of video now and the fact that the, co the cost has come down considerably over the last 10 or 15 years to a point now that where it's very much doable for, for a small mid-range company to get videos made where years ago you'd, you'd pay a fortune. We, we can do that now because relatively simple, simple money. And, you know, there's a lot of animation packages, graphics. I mean, I've been working with, and, and uh, light have as well. We, we've been working with the VR suits and things like that to do very quick animation. We've done some dance videos just using literally, we had a, a VR set, a VR head, headgear and, and and a suit right. and you just put the tracking markers on and you can and you can make you can make music videos and they look like they're animated uh we're also 
you can also there there are now there's a there's a, a new Adobe software with the Adobe Puppet software. Right, yeah. So you can make animated characters easy. So you know if you're doing a presentation to to people and they look bored, well I could turn you into an elephant. I make you much more exciting to look at. You know, so there are there's lots of things that, that can be done. The technology is cheaper, so it makes it makes it easier to produce. But you do still need the craft of the storytelling because that that's that's easy. Just because you've got a camera doesn't make you Spielberg. But the fact that the camera is cheaper <laughs> helps. Yeah, yeah the, 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 the demo, it, it, definitely democracy. But I'm going to be really honest with you. Yeah, um, as somebody who who's predominantly started as an editor, um. I, you know, people get quite snobby. Oh, I use Avid. I don't use uh, Adobe yeah. or whatever. There's no difference. If you if you're a good editor, you're a good editor. It really doesn't matter. Uh, it's like if you're a good DJ, you can use two iPods. It's the same kind of thing. It, it, if you know how to how to tell a story, that's brilliant. And that is something that yeah. If if you if you if you're starting out, make sure you've got really good storytelling. Uh, you know, you're a good visual storyteller. That's really important. Good visual storytelling uh, skills that will hold you instead for, for throughout your career. I mean, I've seen technology change considerably over the years, and and I, I'm never scared of trying something new. I mean, I built the the, the Spark and Glory website. We we I, I'd never I'd never built a website before, and I it, it was quite it was pretty good. I really liked it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like I've I've seen very accomplished website designers overdo it, you know, but it, it was, it, it kind of grabbed my attention and yeah, there's a story there that is evident and it's clean. And uh, no, I really liked it. And so one of the things, it, it's great to kind of hear where you're at, but I'm always interested in kind of where people started out. And I know, I know the world has changed a lot, but like, how did, how did you get into this? Like, what was your pathway through school or whatever? How, how did it, kind of happened for you i was very much interested in radio and actually i went to university of uh, college salford or university of salford right, okay yeah. uh, and i did radio and actually i did a lot of stuff for radio five uh, and things like that i then realized that the trouble with radio was that actually commercial radio stations didn't really make anything it was more of a dj just said here's the time this is a nice record right uh there's a flower show in a row and i just went mm. And my last project at university was actually a three-camera shoot of this uh, folk band. And the editor that was supposed to edit it, he double-booked himself uh, and couldn't do it. So I sat in this edit suite and goes, well, I better do it myself. And so I literally learned how to edit on that day, put it together, uh, then spent, you know, about, uh, I left university, did well, it was great. Um, and about, like, I think everybody, well, Everybody back in the day, you left university, getting a job was just like an absolute scramble, just trying to find something. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'll be honest, it took me nine months to find a job. Uh, I did. I worked on tele sales. I did. I worked for Sony for a bit and whatever. And then I got a job at a youth sports company, uh, which did snowboarding. And um, they were starting to get into sort of break dance and uh, b-boys right. and hip hop, yeah. which is really what I was into. And so it was the time of the age of the VX1000 mini DV camera. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I remember that. And so, so I was the young guy who was allowed to go to uh, these events and film them. And then we had a show called Rebel TV, which was on Sky at the time. And I'd make these little tiny videos using the footage that I shot at these events. So I'd work every weekend making, making these videos and then going back into the edit suite on a Monday or a Tuesday 
and and then just editing them together and they were like little bits while the big boys that i worked with did all the surfing stuff and skateboarding and and stuff right. like that I, I was great i mean i did the breakdance world championships it's and we made a video of that, which you could buy, which was great. Nice. Uh, I met Tony Hawk and did some stuff with Tony Hawk. was lovely. Did some weird stuff with snakeboarding, which is a weird, it was, it was a hybrid of surf, of, of, of inline I skating. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, they were heavily promoting that. So I did the world tour of that, well, tour, a European tour around all the sort of glaciers of, 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 of um, Europe, which was, which was great. So lots of traveling, lots of work. Then I went to Rapture TV where I met your, your, yourself and that yeah. was where I found out about promo producing. So I sort of self-taught promo producing. I mean, the great thing about Rapture and, and I, I know you spoke to uh, Matt and uh, Adam before yeah. and they, you know, must, uh, they talked about, you know, how it was an amazing place. We were young people. We didn't really know what we were doing and we just sort of made it up as we went along. But it was like, great. Why don't you? <laughs> yes, well, it was. And, and, and promos, I didn't know. You know, we 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 we'd use different fonts, and you know, there was no branding at all, really, except this one logo. But I sometimes yeah. forgot to put that on things. Um, subsequently, from there, I then moved uh, to Bloomberg, which is a business news channel, which is completely different. Yeah, and yeah. that's where that's where I learned about sponsorship bumpers and promotions, and actually worked with real live promo producers, which I'd never met before at that point. Uh, shot lots of stuff on film, but it was all business news and uh, things like that. But the great thing about that was it's where I learned a lot about storytelling because right. how do you represent visually uh, the, uh, the the Chancellor Exchequer and the uh, uh, and the budget? Well, yeah. what we did is we got a lion uh, and we made him burgundy, and he was running through the through the the jungle, and then at the end it comes out and you see the burgundy the bag of the chancellor in the checker. So, you know, you, t- you worked on visual metaphors because the, the subject matter was really boring. So you, you yeah. worked on that. So that's where I learned a lot of my skills and also learned about how to be on a film shoot, directed my first film shoot when somebody was sick. So I had to do it myself. That was, you know, and uh, we did time slice shots from, you know, the Matrix time slice. I did a couple of, couple of right. shoots with right. that. Met lots of, went on lots of client lunches and, and, was told don't wear a suit and tie because you're creative. So make sure you look a little bit scruffy so you look like you know what you're doing. And it was great. And I learned loads and stuff. Then I went to Disney and Disney was a great place to meet amazing people. Had a fabulous time there. Really sort of grew up there. Learned about the art of storytelling. Worked with fantastic IP. Great company. But it was huge. It was a huge company. Lots of different things. And, you know, I actually then started working on the European side of the business. So I learned about Poland. I went to South Africa several times, learned about different cultures and, and learned about the differences in, in those cultures, which was, was really interesting. A lot, I did a lot of work in Turkey. Turkey is right. a fabulously interesting, rich, rich country uh, of stuff and sort of took that Americana and sold it into those countries. And that was really interesting uh, part of the thing. And then uh, over the last five years, I've been at uh, Turner, now called uh, Warner Media, um, right. and that was a great place where what we talked about earlier—the experiential side of things. I worked in the marketing department, and we serviced. We were a creative agency that serviced the rest of the business, and that would include uh, uh, products for uh, consumer products for Ben Ten or the Powerpuff Girls. That would also include, uh, we built a theme park over in Dubai. 
So I was going out to Dubai quite a lot, making sure the carpets were the right color and the, sort of the branding. And that's interesting. And then you, you know, you're building something that's going to be there now. I mean, that, that, that place is there right now. And it, it's a living, breathing part of your brand, which is, is fascinating stuff. Um, we also did uh, a lot of digital stuff. So we, the, the company was very much into apps. We had some excellent apps that we did, uh, Toon Cup. Uh, we had a great Boomerang app, which was, uh, was all about racing cars, which we did incredibly well. So that was really good. So that was going away from what my TV roots of being an editor and a producer to actually get involved in that experiential. And this is where we are moving to now with, with Spark and Glory is it's taking all of that, that knowledge and actually over the last month building the website and doing the showreel and stuff like that, I've realized and you know, can really take in all the things that I've learned over the years. So then we can build this new company. And I'm really looking forward to working with interesting, diverse, different type of customers to sort of tell their stories. I think that's really what's going to be fun is taking something different. As you can tell throughout my career, I've done all sorts of different types of yeah. genres. I've not stayed in one genre. I've done all sorts of different things. And, and I've always, always tried to have a smile on my face and try something different. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to the challenge, I think. Because I, I, I always say to people, like, um, I think I mean, D- Disney and Warner are, are, I suppose, similar big conglomerates. But And this is the thing I certainly learned at Disney. They understand the business so well, and they understand brand, and they understand IP. And when you're kind of j- just somebody that's just sort of dabbled around or, or, or worked in the purely the creative and production side, you don't really always understand that. And it's such a great place to learn that. And what I can kind of see in you is, and, and actually your future clients will benefit from this is you've gone to kind of like the university of the two best sort of understanding brands and you can bring that to, and, and that's like the democratization of Disney and, 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 and Warner in that sense of like, because what works for them also works for other people, yeah. but in a in, in different experiential ways and, and and different creative ways. But the essence of it and understanding your customers and your clients and and so forth is, is still the essence of that. And they're really good at that stuff. It's, it becomes second nature. There are some things that yeah. I would just go to an IP and go, oh, "You're not doing why? Why are you not doing that?" Well, it's just a second nature thing that that comes in. You know, knowing to make sure your consistency of your brand. It's so important to have the consistent message on your brand you know you always have the same colors don't change your colors don't change your font all the time and if you do that make sure it's for a special reason why you're changing your font uh you know i we, we did a rebound at at, uh, at um, boomerang and boomerang we were talking to young kids who frankly can't read that much so yeah. having big capital letters and lots of text is pointless because they can't read it so yeah. Why do it? So use big letters for the big words, like the boomerang, for instance. But use small, use small, the small letters because they'll understand that. They'll read those, and then they'll learn what time that TV shows on. Or when they go to the website, they'll understand what thing. It's really important to get that right. Mm. And I think that the, the area that, that you're, you're going to be working in uh, with, with Spark and Glory is. I was reading a stat recently that the e-commerce has grown in the last sort of six months, what would have took five years without lockdown. So suddenly there's all of this business happening and it doesn't, a lot of those businesses don't have the mechanism of how to do this. So that's a really exciting time that there are going to be all these new innovative companies needing to work in this space, but they don't know how to at the moment. Yeah. 
Yes, and you, it's about consist, uh, consistency of brand yeah. and telling that story over and over again as well, repeating yourself. That's something that people are not used to. On your own social feeds, you want something new every day. You want something different. But if you're selling a brand or you're selling a product, you need to be reinforcing what your product's all about and explaining that. That's so important. And I think, yeah, I hope that what we can do at Spark and Glory, and I know we can, we can make something quite special for these, these smaller brands, just to learn some of these equities about how to how to deliver a consistency of brand. And I suppose the, the you know we're coming we're coming up to the hour now. And I always ask this sort of rather trite question, but I, I what would what advice would you give to people coming in now, or what kind of thing would if, if somebody wants to be a creative director or looking to go into this sphere, what kind of things would you tell them to both work on and, and think about in terms of, of, of how to approach that? Smile, be very, very keen, and, and get on with people. Because one of my very early creative directors said to me, he said, this is a people business. This is not about skill. <laughs> you can be very skillful, don't, and, and it's great to be skillful, and, and you should, we should all strive for that, trust me. But just be nice. Because actually, do you know what? Another thing is, Always remember, be nice on the way up because on the way down, it'll just be a bit nicer for you. Because if you're rude, arrogant, think you're a genius, you will not last very long. And I've known people who think they can do that and they don't last very long. You've got to be nice. Be nice. Yeah. And 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 the, the other thing I try to sort of encourage in, in students as well is always think that everybody you're meeting in your in your career, and that can include at university that is your that's the start of your network you know Absolutely. you and i haven't caught up in like nearly 20 years but it, we're all part of this network exactly have you found that your, your network just grows and grows and grows as the people that you work with it and th that returns yeah i mean obviously starting this new company I, and anybody who's listening that, that that knows me i'd say thank you to everybody's has been so amazing they've been really supportive in what i'm trying to do and I really appreciate that. And, I, and I'm hoping that I will reconnect to, with lots of friends and colleagues that I've worked over the years with. I mean, I, I am still friends with people from university. I still yeah. do know quite a few people from university that I, I work with. Um, actually, uh, Anthony, who's from Light, we, we went to college together. We went uh, So, you know, th those people that you're talking to now, they can be your friends for life and they can, you can work with them. Uh, so, yeah, it's really important to build those relationships. There's no auteurs. Please don't be an auteur. There's no point. It doesn't exist. No, and and that, that, that's such a lovely kind of message to end on. And I'd I'd like the audience to know that, like when I first met Simon and worked with him, he was the most enthusiastic. I, we were having to put a promo for something new, and it was just like it was so nice to have somebody that was full of energy was like yeah what can we do and like let's use these tracks and let let's let's do this and why don't we try that and particularly when you're starting out and that was in an early company it was very easy for people to get kind of annoyed with each other or or i'm not doing that this is my little area but you were you were always boundless and uh always willing to help and i always appreciated that and and, and saw that as a great characteristic so i i think any anyone that's working with you is is, is lucky to do that mate john thank you so much that is very very sweet thank you really appreciate that well, thanks ever so much for your time, Simon. It's been it's been wonderful, and there's some really good insights in there. I think that's really useful, and it's particularly useful to some people I'm working with soon to understand that process because they're going to be doing a little bit of that themselves. So, thank you so much for that insight, and uh, I wish you all the best with Spark and Glory. It's, it's I think it's going to be amazing. Thank you, John. 
Perfect. Uh, a pleasure, pleasure speaking to you. Cheers, mate. Okay. Thank you, John. Bet on myself and I proved it. I know the industry ruthless. I'm really a threat for nuisance. The Chevy is dropping is ruthless. Think I'm the one and I proved it. I know the industry ruthless. Think we're seeing the movies. It really ain't dropping out of coolness. Look at me struggling right on.